You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 259, Cliff Haddocks and the story that grows with you. Follow him on TikTok, you won't regret it. Welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for being here, downloading, listening. And hey, if you have a conversation about podcasts, more than 50% of you out there are listening to podcasts these days. Um, and you have a conversation with your friends. It comes up. You're sitting around at the backyard barbecue. Labor Day's coming up. Uh, just mention that you listen to Halfway There and that it really encourages you or whatever you experience you have. Share that with a friend. Uh, I would really genuinely appreciate that. It's how we grow the show most. So thank you. Today, I'm so excited, my friends. This conversation, I've been looking forward to it for a while because um, the first time, for the first time, I've reached out to somebody who I follow on TikTok, which is kind of interesting. Never had done that before. Um, and I'm kind of a lurker on TikTok, to be honest with you. But I'm excited to, I enjoy his content, and I'm excited to hear uh, everything that I hear about his story. Our guest is a pastor. And like I said, a TikToker. Uh, if you're on TikTok, he's Revan Geek. Cliff Haddocks is our guest. Cliff, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you so much, Eric. It is <laughs> it is awesome to be here. It's awesome to be here. So. I'm excited. Yeah, it's uh, you You have some cool stuff in on TikTok. You, I was following your, uh, it was a series where you were like imagining coming back into the uh, the, oh, yeah. the chapel That's where most people got to know me from the uh, the wrestling entrances ones which i'm working <laughs> on bringing back yeah. uh, because so many people have missed them i kind of felt like they peaked i felt like i've yeah. done all i can do um uh for those that don't know what we're talking about i was just kind of sitting around one day and uh you know looking over at my robe that i wear when i preach and i was like kind of looks like Ric Flair's robe. And <laughs> I thought to myself, just what would it be like for Ric Flair to come into worship? And so I did this whole thing with me coming in and throwing my arms out and going, woo, with the music and everything. Uh -huh. And uh, just just threw it up to see what, what would happen. And next thing I know, I get idea for another one and another one and another one. And so I made it like four or five and thought, ah, I'll do these and they'll come out. And then everybody started loving them and started suggesting ones. And you got to do this one. You got to do that. One. You got to do this interest. You should do some AEW. You should do that. And like, I'm an old school wrestling fan. I'm like, like uh, some of the new stuff, I know some of it, but like, I, they're like, they're suggesting people. So I would go look at an entrance and see if it looked interesting. And I try to make it something that had a hook and it made sense. Not just one where a guy just walks to the ring or right. So, and then uh, and then I finally did The Undertaker and had special effects in it and smoke <laughs> and lightning strikes and my kids coming in as acolytes. And it was kind of like, okay, I need to give these a rest for a while because that one's going to be the peak for a while. There you go. But I've had an idea for two or three more that I might record. Um, a lot depends on just finding the time. That's the trick. We've oh, Now yeah. that we've gone back to in-person worship as well as hybrid um our church has added a lot of new equipment well i have added a lot of new equipment i'm the tech guy as well as the pastor and a lot of my week is spent getting all that stuff calibrated and adding new stuff to the system so i really haven't the time to like sit down and just like 
spend an afternoon shooting wrestling entrances. Right, right, right. I'm doing a lot more conversational stuff on TikTok right now. Honestly, it's a little easier. A little easier. You can you can do that in like ten minutes as opposed to an hour and a half. Right. That. So that's the one reason I haven't really invested in TikTok a lot yet is because I'm like, how do people spend all this time? I just don't have that kind of time. But uh, but there's a lot of good stuff. It's pretty interesting. So I know that you like. It's interesting that you're on there. Like, are you, are you a social media buff or like what, what? I mean, I mean, my first profession before I came into ministry was, was broadcasting. I was a morning show radio disc jockey, you know, before I was, uh, before I got the call to ministry. So I would, I'm used to like improving on the go. I'm used mm-hmm. to like getting a mic and just doing whatever. Um, so that's kind of in my blood gotcha. and I've always been like an improviser and theater person and done all that stuff. So like in that, I was kind of equipped for TikTok, but I hadn't really made the jump because for the longest time, and I've told this before, but, um, for the longest time when TikTok was first being advertised, like to, to YouTube and to Facebook and everything, it was just that thing with a side by side with the people doing that. I'm like, what the heck is this? What, right. why? Why do I want to be a part of that? Um, and then a friend of mine started just sending me TikToks through uh, Messenger. About, oh, this is funny. Look at this. It's funny. So little by little, I, I, he lured me in. And finally, one day, I downloaded the app. And about five hours after I downloaded the app, <laughs> I came back to the real world. and like, wow, there's everything in there. There it's, really is everything in there. It's astounding. Uh, especially, especially when you haven't told it what you like yet. And it's trying to figure you out. And the algorithm just shotgunning you with everything yep you're like wow there really is everything in here um every now and again the <laughs> algorithm will just say i'm going to ask you one more time does this interest you no no that does not interest not me. That. put that back in the hole right um and that's no judgment on anyone's thing that's just there's things i'm into there's things i am not and there's things i am really not into right that's me um and i'm not going to say any of those things out loud i'm just going to say <laughs> that's what that is that's fair um and I started seeing some of the other pastors doing stuff and kind of realized that I've always been kind of a unique, um, like Island of misfit toys kind of guy. Anyway, I've always been, you know, the, the pastor that people always look at and say, you don't seem like a pastor, like mm. all the time. And I'm like, well, why not put that out there? Cause uh, you know, there are people out there who, uh, who have dealt with religious trauma, who have, you know, have a set idea in their mind of what the church is and mm-hmm. I'm something different. And, you know, why do I want to harvest where everyone is already harvested? Why not go out where there's folks, you know, who, you know, are just looking for someone to love on them, which is who, what I'm about. You know, I, yeah. I kind of, I kind of have a Mr. Rogers mentality. I'm going to go out and I want to do my thing. I'm not going to blatantly rub it in your face, but if you take an interest in what I'm doing then maybe you'll come to a service and find out a bit more but i'm gonna kind of you know go out there kind of you know easy on you and i started off by responding to some stuff i did some duets i did some stitches and finally just started making stuff and sure enough some of it took off and <laughs> and it's yeah. a little addicting isn't it when what you oh, say yeah. it's like oh, oh that's yeah. that's and, fun and it's crazy that you have no idea what's going to take off either you know there's plenty know. of things that like like i said i i've spent two hours you know, working on a, on a wrestling thing with lots of cutaways and, and effects and everything. And then, but the, the video I got that got the most views 
was where I took the sound from Django Unchained with Christopher Waltz, and I'm standing at the communion table and I take a bite of the bread and say, it's like a reward. <laughs> and like that, that got a million views. Oh my. And got a lot of people mad at me too, but it, it, got, it got a lot of views. Um, and, you know, that thing is only a, 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 an eight, 10 second long clip. It took yeah. no time to make, but that was the one that for some reason the algorithms all lined up and a lot of people got to know me that way. Very interesting. Okay, well, that's cool. So thank you for that. So this show is not about TikTok, mm-hmm. uh, but it is about your story. And so I want to hear more about your story. You mentioned that okay. you used to be a radio guy and now you're a pastor, uh-huh. and I'm sure there's a story there. Uh-huh. But let's go back to when you were a kid. Like, what was, uh-huh. where, where'd you grow up and what was kind of the culture of your family like? Um, so uh, the first church I was ever a part of uh, was Village Chapel in Kanawha City. West Virginia, which is Canal City, just outside of Charleston. It's part of Charleston. And uh, it was the church that my mother went to and that her stepmother and father went to. Um, and I was baptized there. And I grew up like, you know, in the nursery there. Um, and, you know, my parents, you know, when, they had, when, when my brother was later born um, and then my sister, you know, we, we, we always went to that church, you know, and so I've always been brought up I was a Presbyterian church, so I'm learning, you know, Presbyterian things, and that's my my background. And then my dad got transferred to Huntington, West Virginia. Uh, for the, he worked, he was an electrician, not electrician. He was he worked for the power company, electric company. And uh, we floated around, and we're looking at different churches. And I'm I'm only like four at this point, so I don't have a lot of input as to where we're going to go. Right. being dragged around. Um, but they found this, you know, small church in Barbersville, Coon Memorial Presbyterian Church. And that's K-U-H-N Memorial. Uh, it's not a memorial to raccoons. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, um, they just felt at home there. The people were very welcoming. It was a smaller congregation. Um, and so we, that's where we started going and started to learn more, again, more of the, the, the liturgy of Presbyterianism, more about the Presbyterian style of worship, you know, prepare to hear the word, hear the word, respond to the word, it being structured. Um and things were kind of going really good. And then that church went through a really hard time. And uh, the, 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 that church went through a sex scandal with the pastor. Oh, no. And um, my parents didn't leave. There were a lot of people that left. They, wanted, they did not want to be there for the fallout. But my parents were like, no, this is our church. You know, bad things happened, but this is our church. And we stayed. And a lot of people stayed. There was a lot of people who did stay. And... Uh, and I got to see that things can be healed through mm. if you realistically address them and really deal with them and don't pretend like they didn't happen. Yeah. Um, How old so were you? I would have been probably about six, six okay. or seven. So really all I knew was everybody was angry at each other. Right. That's really all I noticed as a kid. Everybody was really angry and upset and the pastor was suddenly gone. Um. But as I grew older, you know, I was told, you know, they, 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 they didn't make it a secret. They, they talked about it. They talked about the, you know, they didn't get into gory details, but enough that like I could understand. Um, but his picture is still up, you know, on the wall and the history of pastors, they still acknowledge he was there. They don't pretend like that era didn't happen. Yeah. Um, everybody knows we don't make a big, it's not like a big plaque that says on this day, we found out that there's nothing, <laughs> they don't do that either. Right. But um, but I got to see firsthand that a church can survive something like that if they really deal with it. 
um, which has informed my ministry and my work on committees on ministry now as an adult, where I kind of help deal with some of those situations sometimes. So I got to see, you know, for, you know, people finding a way through a difficult time. I got to see um, people dealing with the tensions of that and realizing that little arguments that were happening later in the church had nothing to do with that argument, but were still the leftover pain. They really never figured out how to, to deal with it. Um, right. For the most part, you know, they, they processed it all fine. Another pastor came along who was amazing. The next pastor that came along uh, is probably uh, Bill McSwiggan, who uh, was probably more to do with um, a lot of how I am a pastor just by watching mm. him as I grew up. Yeah. Uh, when I pray, I can hear his voice cadence in my wow. head as I pray. Like if I'm doing a, a pastoral prayer, I can hear the cadence at which he prayed in my head. Um, and, and he was a very open and affirming uh, pastor, um, you know, wasn't there to yell about how awful the world was, was there to talk about how wonderful the world was. Um, very loving, very welcoming, um, you know, he, a, a bit of a nerd streak, which, you know, definitely appealed to me. <laughs> right. Um, and um, yeah. And just, you know, just really uh, going through confirmation, having questions. It was okay for me to have questions. He wasn't there to beat my belief into me. He was there to guide me and show me and, oh, uh, man. and explaining that Presbyterians can see things a little differently. And that's okay. Uh, even when they think, see things differently from each other, that's okay. Um, and, but have, you know, have a reasoning for it and talked about biblical scholarship, you know, would talk about word history, would, you know, would really crack things open. Didn't just sit up there in the pulpit and yell at you and say, this is what you got to believe. Um, which, you know, I, uh, as I talked to friends of mine at that age was not the common experience, right? Especially where I lived, especially in West Virginia. Um, you know, there were a lot of people that were just being told what they should believe and, you know, and everyone else is a heretic and, and all that stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, really, you know, what was definitely blessed by that, um, which has enabled me all through my life to kind of be able to ask questions in my faith and be comfortable mm. asking those questions. And which, you know, as, when you go to seminary, which you know happens later down the line, you better be willing to let a few things go right. as you start learning historical history about <laughs> the church, or it will break you. <laughs> right? You got to be willing to let some things go that you were told when you were younger, because uh, those people had well intentions and they heard it from somebody, but maybe they didn't hear it all correctly. <laughs> um, and you've just got to learn to to go with that. Well, that is true. Um, I think that's part of growing to maturity too, isn't it? Like you oh yeah. you learn that okay, there's things that. You know, you were taught that you have to, you have to adjust. Okay. So it sounds like won't get stuck like that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it sounds like this pastor is really formational for you and kind of built, built into you. Maybe yep. it was something of a mentor. Yeah, um, absolutely. So how, how did your faith become your own? It's, it's interesting. I have these conversations with people and it's always a little bit different when I ask a question like that. Um, because depending on your tradition, some of us have like a, those sort of emphasized personal moment. And some of us have that more moment where it's like, I just was in the faith, right. Which is maybe a little more Presbyterian. Yeah, yeah. So what was that I like mean, for you? It definitely was kind of a, I've always been here type of way. Like mm -hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't have the, I don't have the Paul on the road to Damascus experience. You know, I, I don't have that. Um, but what I have is the assurance that I've never been without it. 
It's yeah. always been there, which really is dripping of Presbyterianism when you get yep. to it at the end of the day. Yep. It really is. For those that don't know, we you were born into the covenant. You cannot escape the love of God. So, you know, I've I've always been there in it. And as I learn more about my faith and I kind of see how it fits, it kind of, I would say for me, it's more like a, um, you know, when you see a movie where you like find out the great plot twist and they show you that snapshot of all the things in the, in the movie that should have clued you in that this was the plot twist. Yep. You know, I have had moments like that, you know, where, where I come to understand something theological, like, Oh, that's just like that. And that, and that, and that in my life. Okay. That makes <laughs> sense now. Yeah. I, I have had moments like that. Um, and I've, and I've had turning point moments that were very heavy. Um, you know, after, uh, to, I mean, I'll fast forward a little bit here because I don't want to take up all the podcast time with you know my just the history part of it. Yeah. But you know, I I I went to Marsh University. I got my degree in broadcasting. I did everything I could to just do that, and I kind of had taken a break from the church, like a lot of people do when they go to college. Yeah. And there was a group at Marshall University called Prowl, which uh, at one point had been Presbyterians reaching out with love but they became ecumenical and it became people reaching out with love. And um, I had a good number of friends that are in it, that were in it, that were always asking me to come. Um, and I was just like, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd kind of taken a break. And, and, and a lot of that came because, you know, my youth group years, though they were fun and fine, I always had a problem with the fact that some of the people in my youth group um, wouldn't talk to me once we got to school. You know, there was like that oh, separation yeah. of of at church, I'll talk to you, but school, there's a caste system here and I'm not going to talk to you. Right. That always bugged me. Um, so like I, I kind of got like a feeling about, you know, groups and stuff like that. And, you know, in college, I was doing my thing. I was doing my radio thing. I was going out. I was partying and all that. Not my crazy amount, but enough. Um, and I really wasn't sure that I was going to go all churchy again. Um, you know, I still was going to church on Sunday morning. Uh, with my parents, but I wasn't like, you know, deep diving, you know, into a group at college. But then that group came to my church to do a guest preaching gig. And when they did, uh, the person who preached that morning, uh, her name was Gusty Newquist. Uh, and Gusty um, was the one person that was up there I did not know. I knew every single one of those people up there because I knew them from other church situations and stuff. But she's the one person I did not know. And everybody's talking to me after the service is over and she comes up and says, who's this? And I'm like, Oh, this is cliff. And like, well, why doesn't cliff come to prowl? And they're like, we invite him. And she turns to me and says, you're coming on Tuesday. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't an invitation. It was like a declaration. You're coming on Tuesday. And I'm like, Oh, oh well, we'll see. <laughs> well, I, I get to, sc I get to school the next day. I, I, I go to, and, and kids, this is here to tell you how long ago this was. I had to go to the library to get on a computer to check my email <laughs> right that's how long ago this was um and it came up on a green screen um <laughs> and it was an email from gusty saying are you coming tuesday night like someone had given her my email and so i show up and it was everything that i wanted my youth group and my church experience to be that had fallen short i was truly welcome i was one of the group um, there were other oddball folks like me. There's people of heavy faith, people of no faith, people who were figuring out their faith. It was a big old island of misfit toys of faith, and all were welcome there. And 
I quickly fell in love with it and fell in love with that model and just started showing up and just started showing up. And before I know it, they had me preaching at guest appearances the <laughs> way Gusty had, and I was on the council to help run it. And, um, you know, fast forward a few years after this, I've gone on to radio, happy as a clam in radio. Everything's great in radio. And I've got, I'm in a relationship. There's a lot of things going on that should be great. But then something starts nagging at me that something's not right. Uh, starts poking at me. There's something missing. You know, I'm, I should be great. I have, a, I'm, I'm, I'm on a morning show. That's, that's a top ranked morning show in the market. I'm in, in my hometown. I'm working on the radio station. I grew up listening to, um, and, and I was in a relationship, you know, it was good. It was good. I thought it was good. Um, <laughs> and so I'm back at my home church and they're having a blood drive there and I'm hanging out and I go upstairs to the chapel. And for some reason, I just kind of sit down in the pew and I'm looking around and I say a sentence that you should not ever say unless you're willing, willing to deal with the consequences of saying it, which was, God, if you got a different idea for what I'm supposed to be doing, show me. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, that, that's a dangerous prayer, Cliff. That's a dangerous prayer. It's a very dangerous prayer because a lot of times it moves fast. Yeah. I was not expecting how fast it would move. This is, this is the truth. I prayed that prayer that night. Went home, got on the phone with the woman I was seeing at the time. She was out with some friends. I was tired. We got into a fight on the phone. And she was drunk enough, and I was tired enough to be brutally honest. <laughs> and we broke up. Okay. I went to work, freshly single, feeling like crap, to find out that a promotion that I had had a side involvement with went so badly south and someone else had screwed up so badly that they got fired and I got demoted. Oh, wow. So I've now in 24 hours, I've lost my girlfriend and I've lost a big chunk of my paycheck. And I go back to my apartment and I'm like, what the heck am I going to do? I don't know how I'm going to make rent this month. I'm going to come short. So I called Bob who had led prowl and said, Bob, what do you know of anything going on? He's like, let me make a call. 10 minutes later, he calls me. Um, first pres of Huntington needs a youth director. Like, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, their youth director just left. I need a youth director. Okay. Uh, maybe I could do that. It's okay. He hangs up the phone. 10 minutes after that, someone from first pres of Huntington calls me. Hey, we heard you're looking for a job. You want to be our youth director? So I came down, interviewed it. I became the youth director. And the more I started doing that work, the more I noticed I was happier coming home on a Sunday night after having an amazing evening of worship mm -hmm. and celebration and people exploring their faith. I was way more energized with that than I was coming home from the radio station every day. And it just started to become blatantly obvious that that was the direction I was being called in. And, you know, all these little pieces that landed in just the right place, little nudges happening, little nudges happening, mm -hmm. little nudges happening until I'm sit, I'm standing on a seminary campus exploring, seeing if it's what I'm supposed to be doing 
you know, I'm going to, going to have this little exploratory weekend where I'm going to check this out and check that out and uh, go to a class or two and talk to some students. And I met a whole bunch of people, including somebody from Huntington, West Virginia, who went to Prowl. Oh, wow. That woman is now my wife. There you go. So like, you know, all these things just kind of lined up. And that's not to say that just because I was a good Christian, good things happened to me. No, I don't, I, I don't play that game. Um, but I can definitely feel where I have always had the presence with me and it has always mm. been something that's been a part of me. And because of that, I have to do my best to make certain that I shine that back out into the world in the way that I engage people in the way that I do what I do, whether it's yes. ministry, TikToks, et cetera. Yeah. So, friends. Yeah. It's a, it's been a heck of a ride. <laughs> heck of a ride that's amazing. I love that friends. We call that Providence, right? Like oh, I, yeah. I always, I always tell people, uh, I don't believe in luck. I believe in Providence, right? There's, there's something that God does when he's leading and you probably friends have your own stories about how this goes in your life. And if you do tell them, because we need to, we need to hear it. Um, okay. Cliff, well, that's fascinating. So you've, you just, how long was it between when you got the youth director job and went to seminary? Um, about oh, how long would that have been? I mean, roughly probably about two, three years. Okay. Two, three years. So yeah, you, so you just kind of were, it was dawning on you and like, okay, this is the thing yeah. that I want to do. Where did you go? More and more. I went to uh, Louisville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Oh yeah. Okay. So you're, so you got a seminary and yep. you know, how, what was that? How did that shape you? Cause I know people have very different experiences at seminary sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there's two things. There's the, there's the education side and there's the community side. Those are two very different things of the seminary experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and also the faith formation side. And believe it or not, they faith formation is very different from the academic side. From the academic side, you have to be prepared to have a wrecking ball swung through everything that the little old ladies at church taught you in Sunday school. Uh, yes. You have to be prepared for it. All right. Can we talk about that for a second? Like, why is that? And what... Why is this? It's kind of important. Like this is so. Yeah. Speaking of TikTok, so many of the deconstruction TikTok people that I see, yeah. which is sort of my my jam, um, yeah. are these kinds of things, right? I'm like, yeah. yeah, but that's not you know. So I'm I'm always yeah. a little frustrated with that. Well, I mean, a lot of it comes down to, and 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 a lot of it, I do my best to be graceful, and remember that many times these people are repeating what someone said to them. Right. And they were never taught any different, which is, this is why you do this because the Bible says so. Right. Without any biblical notation whatsoever. Right. You know, you know, you, you girls need to make certain that you uh, don't show your dress above your knees because the Bible says so. Like people say stuff like that. Right. Which is absolutely outlandish. No, the Bible says the boys should be gouging their eyes out. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> you know, that's actually in the Bible. Right. Um, and then learning what what your Sunday school teacher taught you isn't the meaning of the story after you start learning the historical right. context and things like that. Learn a little more about David and you find out, oh. <laughs> yeah, David's not such a good guy. You know? <laughs> right. And in fact, I can't remember which of the uh, of my progressive clergy buddies said it, but somebody pointed out, find me one good consensual monogamous relationship in the Bible. I'll wait. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. <laughs> oh, man. It's <laughs> tough, know, right? It's, it's tough. It's tough. 
we should not look at the characters as superheroes. They are characters to learn from. Right. Their stories are, they are, some of them are heroes, but in the truth, many of them are fallen heroes. They are broken heroes. They are people who <coughs> have made as many mistakes as they have done good things. Um, you know, I just did a TikTok just last night about um, misused phrases. Um, it was it was someone saying, "What word do people use wrong that drives you crazy?" It was a stitch, and I stitched it. Oh yeah, I saw it. And I was like, it, the, "The two, yeah, the, the the Good Samaritan one." Right. It's like most people, when you're a little kid, the Good Samaritan is do the nice thing and be the nice person. You're like, you're, and then you get older, you're like, and you start reading the historical, historical context. You're like, wow, the Samaritans and the Jews were really at odds with each other. He really stepped outside of his cultural and safe zone to help that guy. And the guy who's injured probably wouldn't have expected that person to help him. And that's the real point of that story. Right. Again, Jonah, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. My, fa I mean, my son's name is Jonah because it's my favorite story in the Bible because it's a story that can grow up with you when you start learning what it's really about. Oh, wow. When you're a little kid, when you're a little kid, it's a story about a big fish, and that's enough, and that's good. You get a little older, and it becomes, oh, uh, your teachers teach you, oh, it's a story about doing what the Lord asks you to do. Because, you know, he asked Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah didn't go. And then because of that, God made certain he got there. You know, uh, then it's, you know, then it's a, a, it's a story about um, even if you disobey God, God will still put you where you belong. Right. Then you get even older. And again, you start doing the historical differences and you realize you find out why Jonah didn't want to go. Yeah. It isn't because oh, Jonah man. didn't want to be a public speaker. It's with, he was fine with Nineveh getting wiped out because he didn't like him because he was racist against. Right. Him. Right. Oh, and, and that's like, then you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> boom. And your head blows off when you finally realize that you're like, why did no one talk to me about this? in all my right. 30 years of growing up in the church. And you're like, wow. And it's like, and then you get these people to complain, about, oh, everybody's trying to be woke. Everybody's trying to be woke. I'm like, no, everybody's just been ignoring it all this time. Right. The stuff is all in there. You know, well, I often, I, my, one of my favorite phrases to say is, when I commit heresy, one of y'all in the back, let me know if I preach something like this. <laughs> you know, when I get to being heretical, feel free to point it out, but I'm not there yet. Right. Um, well, I, what I love about Jonah's story, too, is is what God says at the very end, right? Because yeah. God has compassion on, on yeah. the people of Nineveh. And yeah. that's why he sent Jonah in the first place. And he and he really makes that clear, yeah. which that's our, that's how our, you know, that's how we must also show up, right? That's the way that we should be as well. And when he does the whole thing, when he's talking about the fullness of time and like it, 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 it and I've been here all along, I'm a, I'm allowed to love them. I'm allowed to do this. You know, it reminds us how short-sighted most of our hatred is, you yeah. know, you're hating, you're oh. hating a group of people for something you learned in five minutes, as opposed <laughs> to God who has Man. known those people all, all their lives, you know, and God's like, I love them. I'm not going to base my entire opinion on them on one situation. Um, uh, and we're willing to do that sometimes. It's a real shame. Oh, yeah. that's astounding. But okay. Those are the things that like kind of blow your head off, you know, when you're in seminary and you're sitting there having your mind blown and you're, you're learning Bible stories you never heard. You know, <laughs> right. you're learning about JL and the tent peg and, you know, <laughs> and yep. things like that. And, and you're learning, 
all kinds of you know, stories like, why was this never covered? Why was this never covered? Oh, why did they never tell us that about David? Right. You know, um, you know, uh, uh, why do we never, why do we focus on this side of the story and not that side of the story? And you, you, you learn that, oh, when Jesus was saying this, he was probably saying it in a sarcastic tone, you know, and you're learning oh, all yeah. these things that add to your understanding of the Bible. And again, it wasn't that those people who were teaching me when I was 10 were misleading me by any intention. They were teaching at the level they'd been taught. Right. And then once we get to where we're learning at an academic level, now we have to be like, okay, how do I elevate this for the next people that come along in a way that still honors the work that, you know, the teachers that were there before did, but then maybe open up it a little bit more to see a little bit more of the story, a little bit more of the understanding so that we can have a more full experience with what's there. Yeah. What was the second thing? Oh, the second thing um, well, that was, oh, oh, community, the community experience oh, yeah, of yeah. seminary um, is that, if you ever go to seminary, treasure the time you're there. Because if you are lucky, it will be the closest to Christian community mm. spoken of in the Bible you will ever experience. Right. Because you're all in this together. You're all studying it together. You're immersing yourself in scripture, in theology, and all these things at a level that most people will never get to do. You will eat together. You will laugh together. You will cry together. You will you know, support one another. Um, that would be my prayer for you that that's what happens. And like, I've spent the rest of my life chasing that level of closeness with people around wow. me ever since I left seminary. And it's kind of sad um, that, that I haven't found that. But I do my best that when I'm building community, whether it's in church or a class or a group or a conference, what can I do to cultivate that type of space for people? What Because maybe... Yeah. If you're working a regular 40 hour a week job, you can't really go to that level of immersion. Absolutely. But can we at least have a mountaintop moment of it where we really right. are the people God calls us to be? Um, and that's a huge part of it. It's a huge reward and it gets you hungry for it. So you spend the rest of your life mm -hmm. trying to cultivate it for the people around you. Um, and then the last part of it, uh, I think, was was faith formation, which is just how do you do 40 to 80 hours a week? of church and it doesn't feel like um work yeah. all the time um because you know if you've been working and slinging burgers all day long do you really want to take one home and eat it you know so <laughs> it depends on how hungry i am probably it does depend on how hungry i am but 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 uh but, but you're yeah, right but, yeah yeah, yeah, I get that. Definitely, definitely hear you there. I actually have had the privilege to interview two of my kind of clan. I, when I got out of, uh, I went to Trinity in Chicago, Trinity Evangelical Divinity oh. School. I did my undergrad at the at the college there, and I did a little bit of seminary there. And while I was there, I worked at a company where there was it was a they had an in house security staff, and most of the guys were seminary students. And then I was the college student, and there were a couple of us college students. And it was like probably the best community that I've ever been mm. a part of. Also, the job wasn't bad either. It was mostly just making sure people could get in and out, the right people, yeah. and then uh, reading most of the time. But um, And great conversations. And so that I, I resonate with that. And so I just got to interview a couple of those guys in the last uh, couple of months who've written books now, you know. So mm. it's kind of kind of fun to do that. But I hear you on that community piece. Uh, okay, so it sounds like that was really, really formative for you. Yeah. 
Um, where did you, where did you go from there? Um, well, it, I didn't get a job right away. You know, the, the, the way for, the, for those who don't know, the way the Presbyterian system works is you put your information in the computer, you put your resume stuff in there and at the national office, there's a database that those who are looking for churches can search through and look for people. And, um, I had gotten married. Uh, after I graduated, I'd gotten married. My name's out there. Uh, it's taken time. I'm not getting picked up right away. <laughs> Listen, I sound like a baseball player. I hadn't gotten a contract picked up. Right <laughs> um, but to fill time, I went and worked on the seminary facilities crew. So I was doing groundwork. I was doing custodial work. I was doing uh, physical plant work, which ended up being good for me in that I know how those things work now pretty well. So when it comes to my church building, I know the behind the scenes stuff too, because nice. I worked it. Yeah. I know what's involved in stripping a floor. I know what's involved in, you know, in, you know, in, in turning a furnace over. I know all these different things. Um, so I did that and got to know the guys that had been around me all the time as, as custodians and, 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 uh, and groundskeepers and all that and got to know them well and realized it's a shame. I wasn't paying better attention to who they were when I was a student. And mm. again, a, a wake up call to make certain I'm paying attention to all the people around me. And right. Getting tunnel, tunnel. But, uh, did that for a while and eventually, uh, ended up interviewing, um, and getting called to, uh, a church in Atlanta, Georgia at, uh, Fayette Presbyterian church, which is in Fayetteville. Um, which, uh, the nerd that I am, it kills me that after I left is when Pinewood studios showed up right down the road. Oh no. <laughs> um, most of the Marvel movies are filmed in that area now, uh, which just kills me that it happened after I left. But anyway, uh, but yeah, I, I served there as an associate for about, for, uh, about five years for about five years. Okay. And then there were some staffing changes and they were going to, uh, uh, consolidate staff and do away with the position that I was holding as an associate. So uh, ended up going to a church in Pennsylvania for what ended up only being two and a half years because that church decided to leave our denomination uh, over oh, wow. um, when, when the president church moved to uh, do inclusive ordination and move toward inclusive marriages for LGBTQ, uh, that church wanted no part of it and said, we are leaving and did actually you know, had some meetings without me being there and a few things that kind of got rolling know. before I was even aware of it. Yeah. And yeah. And it, it, it was, it was rough. It was a real rough time for us as a family. Um, and for me in faith, because these were people that I cared about. These are people that I loved. These are people who I had, um, help through, you know, one of them, the suicide of their son, um, others of them, just a lot of rough trauma I'd helped them through. And now they were taking an action that was going to result in me having to leave. Um, we had just bought a house, uh, all that. And it was a tough, dark period for us. Wow. Um, but again, God was constantly there through it. Yeah, you know, I would do it all again the way I did it. I just wouldn't have bought a house. Um, that took a long, that took a long right. time to recover from financially. That took you, a really long time to recover from. Financially. I bet. Yeah, that can be that can be really. It's really expensive to do, and oh, then yeah. yeah, get it all set up right. Um, so would you call that a dark night of the soul? Was was uh, was God there? How do you feel about that? And have you had one? I know God was there. 
I know guard was there because um, when I felt the wheels turning in that direction, like there were a lot, there was some rumbling that there were people that were not happy. And I'd heard some rumbling. There were people that were actually asking, could we leave the denomination if we wanted to? So I decided to take it head on. I've always taken conflict head on. I don't sit around and let it fester. So I, I, I said, I want to have an informational uh, meeting time in Sunday school. You all can come up uh, to the sanctuary. You can ask any question you want about this. I will answer it to the best of my knowledge of what's going on and what isn't going on. And I'm doing my best to explain to them what the ruling meant, what it didn't mean, what the change of rule meant. I meant, it's like, you still have the right to decide who's your pastor and who is not your pastor. You, no one's going to force you to have a pastor you don't want if you don't feel comfortable with somebody. I'm doing everything I can to explain it to them. So finally, a guy in the back calls out and said, how did you vote? And it got real quiet. Oh. And I, I, I paused for a second. I said, well, if I'm being honest with you, I didn't vote. That meeting was held on the day of my daughter's first birthday, and I was home with my family, mm. which was true. It, I didn't mean it for a dodge. That's exactly what happened. So then he looked me dead in the eye and said, how would you have voted? Yeah, you knew that was coming. I should have known it was coming. And uh, I, could, I literally felt a touch on my shoulder of calm. And, wow. and I could almost audibly hear the words, just say it. It's okay. Just say it. And I said, I would have voted to approve because one, I believe that we are all made in the, in the image of God. I believe that God has use for anyone that's willing to serve. And we've spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on this fight that we could have spent on something else. And that was not the answer they wanted to hear. And that was kind of what was their final straw that obviously I was not going to lead them to their promised land. They wanted, um, and they began to make motions around me and moves behind my back to start, you know, seeing what it would take to do this. And when they finally brought the official, um, official actions of it, uh, I, you know, I, they took their vote as a session. I informed them it wasn't that easy. They had a lot of work ahead of them, um, a lot of legal work ahead of them. And I would make certain they dot the I's across the T's, but I was going to do none of the legwork for them. They wow. were going to have to do it. Um, and I went home. My wife was in the backyard holding my daughter. And she looked at me as I walked through the gate. And I said, God says it's time to go. And, you know, I took care of the ones who didn't want it to happen as best I could. I shepherded them through it. I did my best not to attack the sheep who were, you know, trying to make it all happen. Um, I did my best not to be an angry pastor to people. I did my best to still be loving. I did my best not to uh, be anything other than what I felt God was calling me to be in that time. I was not always perfect at it. Um, I, I did do some snark on the way out the door, uh, which I will own. Uh, and I, I believe God has forgiven me for, cause I still think it was funny. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, but eventually, uh, found the job that I have here in Dayton. Uh, and we moved here and after nine years, financially recovered enough to buy a house again. Uh, we yeah. just moved into the house a few weeks ago and it, it, it was, it was a difficult time, but I never felt abandoned. Mm, okay. I felt it was hard. It never felt abandoned. I felt it was rough, 
many times I asked why in the hell is this happening to my family and me? Um, but got through it and, you know, and my faith is stronger for it. Um, but I do not play well with someone who talks about that stuff. Like it's an easy thing anymore. Um, Oh yeah. So have you had like a dark night of the soul or a time when you felt like God abandoned you and maybe not, that's okay. Abandoned me. I mean, I definitely felt apart from God more in my youth than I think as an adult. I think yeah. kind of once I got on the roller coaster, um, and once I started reading the Bible, I realized early on there is no time God offers the easy button. <laughs> right. There is no <laughs> prophet. There is no um, king. There is no judge. There is no priest. There is no, pro, uh, you, you know, soothsayer, no minor character even in the Bible that's promised it gets easy now. Right. Simply is promised you will not be there alone. You know, which is why I think people who preach that are so weird, right? Like, there's, it's just not only is it not in oh, scripture, yeah. it's just oh, not goodness. like it's not the way the experience of God's people for millennia. Um, yeah, certainly. Yeah, it's this. So, okay, so I'm I'm an amateur magician, way out of practice, and way out of practice. But there are some magic tricks that to to peel the curtain back just enough without giving away full blown secrets. That there are some magic tricks that you do that are done on a premise of luck. Meaning like when you're, when someone is given a choice, you're still dependent on, they better choose in this area for this trick to work. Yeah. There is a chance that if they pick the one option you hadn't considered, it's the trick's not going to work, but just because of psychology, just because of, of a parameters or setup, most people pick in a certain area and you're already preset to do the big reveal that will be that. Right. And I think that that's a lot of how the uh, uh, prosperity gospel works. Right. In that when you preach it and you preach it and you preach it, at the end of the day, most of us get out of this whole thing of called life pretty okay. Yeah. You know? Right. We, 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 you know, we, we count our blessings. We, we, a lot of us have a roof over our head. A lot of us, things are going just fine for it. A lot of us are just, you know, just making our way along um, and, and everything goes okay. And when something like a promotion comes along or, you know, even like a, a gift card, someone says, Oh my goodness, life's just getting even better and better and better. You know, well, that yeah. must be because I'm going to the church where they teach me that as long as I'm believing, everything goes better and better and better. Cause <laughs> that they're in the lucky batch that everything's working out fine for. <laughs> right. Then you have the fact that there are some who deal with some genuine struggles in life. And even then, you know, someone gets a cancer diagnosis or someone gets, you know, a, a heart attack. They come through it just fine. Well, I prayed really good and everything worked out okay. All right. Yay. Yay, God. Everything's going great for me. But when something doesn't go good, what happens if you've been told God is with you in all of the hard things, even when they are hard? Versus someone told you nothing bad will ever happen to you because you believe. Yeah. Now you have a heart that's failing and you have a crisis of theology. Good luck with that. You know, yeah, um, as harder. opposed to be knowing that God promised simply that you would not be alone in it. Right. And that there is something other than this world and the needs of this world and the wants of this world. God never promised easy. 
God never, when God promises blessings, God does not promise blessings of the, of the pocketbook. That is something we made up. That is something that we really stretch scripture to, to say. And, um, you know, all the times when people are like, oh, you know, if you believe in God, you know, only good things are going to happen to you. I'm like, I work for God. Plenty of bad has happened to me. <laughs> right. But it hasn't killed me yet. Right. It hasn't defeated me. And even some of his, some of his people that happens too. Right. And, yeah, and oh, it's absolutely. still, and, and he's still good. So yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, okay. So I, I, I love that. It's, it's fascinating. I was curious. We talked a lot about TikTok kind of at the, at the beginning. I'm curious how, what your thoughts are on the sort of digital world. And if you guys, if you did anything differently, to engage your church, your congregation online when that was the kind of the thing that everybody shifted to. Oh goodness. Yeah. Uh, I had to build it from scratch. So I had talked to them about streaming about two years ago as a possibility. Have we ever considered doing this for worship? And I got a bunch of eh, uh, who would watch it. You know, yeah. we're all here. We prefer to be here. You know, that's a lot of work, blah, blah, blah. Um, but fortunately I had one of my guys who sometimes shoots before he aims, but that's fine. <laughs> um, think that it would be a really good idea to move our sound system, our sound control board from our balcony where he was one of the only people that went up there down to the main floor and he did that and i'm so glad he decided to do that two years ago because if he hadn't i couldn't have done any of the streaming stuff that we're doing now wow um it would be it would be too it would be way cumbersome um but he did that again thank goodness um thank god that he got inspired in such a way but the first week of shutdown when we still didn't know what this was going to be like we thought maybe it's a week or two um I stuck my iPhone on one of my tripods, had my guitar. I went to the church by myself. I did a shortened liturgy, a sermon, and I played um, um, just a closer walk with thee on the guitar to finish. And that was all worship was. And looking back, it looks terrible. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds terrible. There's no good miking. It's all awful. And at that point, the broadcaster and me kicked in and said, we got to do better. Yeah. So I started doing research. I started finding stuff and I started learning OBS and I started learning um, about some of the new systems that were available and the switchers and all that. And little by little by little, I made a better and better worship service to where what I was making toward the end when it was still just me at the church, all the elements were pre-recorded except for me coming on live to welcome everybody first thing in the morning to do the passing of the peace, um, then to uh, do the prayers of the people, and everything else is all pre-recorded. But I used Zoom, and I made it play like I was hosting it, and it it went very smooth. All the lyrics were on the screen. Everybody could follow along very easily. Yeah. I made it very uh, accessible for everybody out there. And I had people telling me, thank you for putting the words on the screen. Right. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for making this something we can engage. I'm like, oh, they're engaging it. And the beauty of me doing the live prayer concerns is they could type in the comments and I could engage with them and say, oh, Mary's got a, Mary's got a prayer request today. Her, her granddaughter is having a surgery procedure on Thursday. And so I said, well, no, 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 no. we pray for, you know, Lord, hear our prayer. 
and they really start like I was getting prayer requests from people that never would have raised their hands yes. in worship because they could type it. And it was less intimidating than standing up and giving a prayer request. Right. Um, that was huge. Then we started getting people from outside our area showing up. Now, some of that had to do with me starting TikTok about the same time. <laughs> right. Because um, we definitely have some folks that are showing up because of TikTok in our worship. Hey. And they lift up prayer concerns. And so we lift them up too. And, and they're they're a part of our group. And now I got, I, I've definitely got some folks from the old school who still want to say, well, when are we going to get those people to show up? I have to say, you may never get them to show up. They, they may not even be able to show up, right? Because they're they states may not away. be able to show up. Be glad that they're present. Right. Because they are. They are involved. They are engaging. They are sharing their prayer concerns. Some of them have sent gifts. Um, wow. You know, we've had people sending in stuff to help further the online ministry. Um, and it's 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 been a, an interesting, fun ride to, you, can, to kind of bring that my old knowledge from my old career mm-hmm. and integrating with what I do now and, and being able to have a broadcaster's mind and, and a theological mind and say, how do those things come together? How do we improve what this is to make it more interactive? So it's not just, Oh, it's a camera on a stick filming what happens. How do we make it more interactive? How do right. we do it in such a way that people do feel like they're a part of the worship experience and are contributing to the worship? Experience? Yes. Yeah, so like when when we were pre-recorded, I would have people record the call to worship and the confessional prayer in their home and email it to me, and that they would be who would do that part. So they were seeing each other's faces. Yes. They were seeing what they were doing. And I started getting people that they hadn't seen in a long time, kids who were away at college that are almost never home. They were doing calls to work. They were doing liturgy. Um, we were getting people to contribute musically. Same way. They just contribute something and send it. And it, you know, it, it was probably a step up in from what we got. I'll admit it. I got lazy in worship before COVID happened. Mm. You know, you get in a habit, you're doing something, the same thing every week. It works. You don't think about innovating. Then you had, you had to innovate. And now I'm kind of like energized. I'm always trying to think of what else. Yeah. Well, so what I hear you saying that I really, really love is that you engaged people in a different Mm -hmm. way. Right. And then that was the one thing I was so, I was pretty disappointed. Um, and I'm not directing this at my church in particular. I, the churches that I saw, I would see so many churches from, cause I went to seminary for like nine years. Yeah. It's a long story, but so I know a lot of pastors, right. And I would see their, them share their churches and it was just basically the camera on their, on their yeah. worship service. Right. Yeah. I'm like, man, you guys, you're missing something. You're missing yeah. like, there's so like, yes. Is social media toxic sometimes? Sure. But is it really great at some other things sometimes at engaging people and getting people's thoughts and helping them to grow? Yeah. And don't miss that opportunity because I think it really is powerful and we can use it. I'm convinced that in the 21st century, new media like podcasting and and social media and whatever is the way the gospel goes out around the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, And I had tools available to me that I hadn't been using in worship. I could use a video example from a sermon for a sermon. Why just say, Hey, remember that scene in that movie? We had the license where I could show that scene. So I could actually show it and introduce the thought I was using for the day. Um, When we did for Palm Sunday, I had a, I had everybody who wants to just send a video of yourself saying Hosanna. And I had Hosannas from all around the world that people had sent to me as part of worship. 
You couldn't do that. You couldn't do that on a normal Sunday morning. We could do it here. Now I have screens up in the sanctuary and we have the streaming, so I can do it there too. Yeah. Um, and I think people appreciate it. Um, that was the other thing. Putting screens up in the sanctuary, I was so petrified because they had fought me so long on doing that. Oh, wow. But I said, hey, you have engaged your faith on a screen for a year. <laughs> right. If ever there's a time to make it, let's do it now. It's time. And they finally agreed with me and we did it. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Okay, well, I, Cliff, I love that. Thanks for spending a little time with us sharing your story. Where can people Happy connect with you? Uh, the easiest places to connect with me are if you is kind of TikTok is one of the easiest. I'm on TikTok at Revan Geek. I'm on Instagram at Revan Geek. I I'm not as good with Twitter. I have Revan Geek at Twitter. I need to be better about it. I have <laughs> Revan Geek on Twitch. I need to be better about it. Um, but Revan Geek is pretty much the main place you find me on any of those platforms. Um, and if you go to the TikTok, I have link trees to our church's services uh, in my bio there. So Perfect. If you want to come see what what we're like on a Sunday morning, it's right there. Excellent. All right, guys. Yeah, absolutely. I highly recommend Cliff's TikTok. Go check it out. If you're not on TikTok, it's not going to hurt you. Just go check it out. You'll be highly entertained. You probably will lose a few hours of your life. It's okay. Uh, but, <laughs> Cliff, thanks for being here. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Um, I will I will close it the way I always close my lives. Uh, remember, you are beautiful. You are loved. The world is better with you in it. A, go in peace. Amen and amen. Thanks for being here, brother. I appreciate it. You're welcome.